This is the Wealth Ability for CPAs show. Better clients, better practice, better life. Here's Tom Wheelwright. Welcome to the Wealth Ability for CPA show, where we're always learning how to develop better clients, a better practice, and a better life. So we just passed April 15th. Another busy season is in the rearview mirror, and you're a little frazzled, you're tired, you've hit a wall, and you've probably been asking yourself the last couple of days, why am I doing this? Why am I putting myself through this? Isn't there an easier way to make a living? After all, I mean, do I really have to work those kind of hours? Then you start thinking about it and you go, what is it that caused stress during busy season? Was it the hours? Was it the work? Because most of us are used to hours and work. That's not the worst part. Or, Or were it those few clients that were constantly on you? Were, was it perhaps those clients that didn't appreciate you, that didn't want to pay you for your work, that were constantly hounding you? In reality, for most people, most CPAs, it's not the work. It's not even the hours. It's the clients. And it's not all the clients. It's a few of the clients. But what if you could have only great clients who appreciated and paid full price for your hard work. So this is a brand new podcast. I'm Tom Wheelwright. I'm the host. And just so that you have an idea of why we're doing this, some of you are familiar with the WealthAbility Show, which is a a broad-based tax and personal finance wealth uh, building show. And That show is meant for everyone, including CPAs. What occurred to us was there ought to be a show just for CPAs. I've been doing, um, I've been a practicing CPA for over 35 years, going on 40, going on 40. I started at the University of Utah where I got my Bachelor of Arts in Accounting. I went to the University of Texas where I got my Master's of Tax. I spent the obligatory uh, seven years in the big four, including three years in the National Tax Department of Ernst & Young. And that was, uh, that was actually the last time we had major tax reform, 1985 to 1988. And that was a brilliant experience, frankly. I, I looked at it postgraduate work. And I spent a lot of time teaching other CPAs and developing courses for CPAs around the country for um, Ernst & Young at, at the point, that point, of course, it was Ernst & Winnie. So since then, I worked as the in-house tax advisor for a Fortune 500 company. I spent 14 years as an adjunct professor in the Masters of Tax program at Arizona State University. And for the last 25 years, I have uh, built CPA firms and Uh, into international CPA firms, clients all over the world, all over the country, um, literally 50 states, 30 countries, and uh, wrote, as many of you know, a a, a very successful book, Tax-Free Wealth, several years ago, still number one in its category uh, on Amazon, has been since day one. And I travel the world now with Robert Kiyosaki 
And it's interesting because wherever we go, we always hear something at the end of a presentation. It doesn't matter if I'm with Robert or by myself. I do a lot of my own speaking nowadays. Um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, and it doesn't matter if I'm in Moscow, um, Russia, or in Bishkek, Kyrgyzstan, or frankly in Dallas, Texas. What's going to happen is at some point during after the presentation, sometimes right away, sometimes at the end of the day, somebody's going to come up to me and they're going to say, Tom, this is great information, only you can't do that here. Now, what's really been interesting to me lately is that I've heard a lot of that from CPAs, not from clients, not from, not from investors, not from business owners, but from actual CPAs. I was not um, 30 seconds off the stage uh, in Dallas a couple of months ago when somebody came up to me and said, Tom, this is this would be great if you could do it, but that's illegal. Or I was in Orlando, Florida, and the day after my presentation, I was there for a few days, the day after my presentation, somebody, people started coming up to me and they said, okay, now I asked my CPA about this, and my CPA said, yeah, you can't do that. And, and they showed me their emails, and I'm just going, wait a minute. Okay, and I, you know, every time I'm going back and researching the law, making sure I'm right. My point is, is that we get in our minds that we can't do this when what we ought to be asking ourselves is how can we do this? Not can we do this, but how can we do this? And when we think about our profession especially, how could we change the nature of our profession? And I'm not talking about necessarily just changing the work, well, although I do think changing the work is important because I think we could do better for our clients, okay? I mean, think about it. We tend, uh, as in a profession, we are so focused on the past. You, we wonder why clients don't appreciate our work. It's gone. It's done. We're, we're, we're working last year. We just finished with tax returns for last year. We're not focused on next year. So what we're going to do when we come back is we're, we're going to take a brief pause here just because I want to tell you about a, a, a terrific opportunity we have coming up. When we come back, we're going to, we're going to talk about the PETA factor, okay, and how to avoid the PETA factor in total. Now, some of you know what I mean when you hear the word, when you hear the idea of a PETA factor. So when we come back... After this message, which is really simply just being transparent, this is a message about an upcoming conference. We have a leadership summit for CPAs that has never been done before. That is not your typical, it's not your typical continuing education, though it does qualify for continuing education. That will literally change your life. So one moment, we'll be right back. CPAs. You are invited to join me live, in person, at the CPA Leadership Summit in Tempe, Arizona. This event is designed exclusively for CPA leaders like you. It's from May 30th to June 1st, 2019. To learn more, go to wealthability.com event. That's wealthability.com slash E-V-E-N-T. See you there.
So welcome back to the Wealth Ability for CPA show. Today, we're going to focus on how to create better clients. Not just how to find better clients, how to create better clients in three simple steps. Okay, we're going to go through three simple steps. Um, we may add a fourth or a fifth, but there's three basic steps that we need to follow. And this is the time of year to do this, okay? Creating better clients, because we have the rest of the year. We've filed extensions, we've got returns to do, we've got work to do. This is the time to be improving our practice is right now. This is the prime time of the year. So the first thing we want to do is we'd like to avoid having to deal with the PETA factor. And y'all know what I'm talking about. The pain in the blank factor, right? These are the clients that when they call and you see their, their name pop up on your phone or you, see, or, or you hear their voice, you immediately cringe. Oh my heavens, I can't believe he's calling me again. What is it this time? Because every time they call, it's a problem. And every time they call, it's a complaint. And it's never thank you. You know just what I'm talking about. So when, when I look at great clients, I'm actually looking for three things. Uh, one is that they appreciate the work that I do. That is number one for me. Um, I'm, a bit of, I, I'm a bit of an approval whore, I will readily admit. So I really do like being told you're, you're wonderful, Tom. So I do everything I can with my clients to make sure they tell me I'm wonderful. But even then, you get clients who go not appreciative. Number two is, I want them engaged in the process. Okay, I only want clients who will engage with me. Because if they won't engage with me, there's not a communication going on. And when there's not a communication going on, that's when the communication starts falling apart. Okay, and creating better clients is, I'll tell you right now, it's all about communication. There's one more thing, though, that I want in client. I want clients who will pay my fees, and I'm not cheap. Okay, I've worked long and hard. I do a lot of studying. I do a lot of work that I don't charge for. I expect my clients to pay my fees. Now, I expect the clients to get better value for the work we do for them as a firm than they would get in any other investment. So I'm, I'm always saying that, you know, one of the challenges we have hiring people, for example, or finding better clients is we, we, we don't pay our people enough because we don't do, because we don't um, charge enough, but we don't charge enough because we don't do enough. So let's look at the ideal client. So again, ideal client, appreciative, engaged, and 100% realization. That's it, it's that simple. Okay, no cringe factor there. If you had a client call you and they appreciated you and they said thank you and they were engaged in the process and you got 100% realization, regardless of how much they paid you over the year, maybe, maybe it was only $2,000, but it was 100% realization. Maybe it's $200,000 and it was 100% realization, right? It doesn't matter so much how much they pay you. What matters is are they paying you 100% of what you're asking for, what you believe your value is, and what value you're contributing to them. 
So let's look at the steps. These are really simple steps, and I want this to be very practical. So every one of these podcasts, um, whether it's the WealthAbility Show or the Wealth or this show, WealthAbility for CPA Show, I want to make sure that you get actionable items, things that you can do immediately. So I'm going to give you step number one, and it's probably the hardest thing you will ever do. And that is you need to go through and you need to look for those three factors, right? So do they appreciate me? That's the cringe factor, right? So you got the cringe factor in there, which I look from a positive standpoint. They appreciate me. Number two, they're engaged. And number three, I get close to or 100% of realization. So I'm looking at those three factors. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to rank my clients. And all I'm going to do is I'm going to rank the bottom 20%. I'm just going to go through, I'm going to rank my clients, I'm going to come up with the bottom 20%, and guess what? I'm either going to fire those clients, or I'm going to sell them. Now, I'll tell you my uh, story of how I started. I, um, <laughs> I had two clients that I had kept from Ernst & Young. They allowed me to keep a couple of clients. And um, when I started, I just thought, you know what? Man, I've seen these other CPAs, and they're not any smarter than I am. Certainly, I can do this. And they have a full load of full book of business. And certainly, I can have a full book of business. And so I went out, and I started literally beating the streets. Now, I was a Mormon missionary in Paris, France, teaching Mormonism to Catholics. So rejection doesn't bother me, right? I got that right, st right out of the gate. I got you got to handle rejection. So I would, I literally called everybody I knew and said, who do you know who might need my services? And I beat the streets and I literally did cold calling 10 hours a day. And nine months later, I had doubled my business. Yeah, right. I'd gone from two clients to four clients. Then, <laughs> then a friend of mine, a buddy of mine who is, is kind of a mentor, he'd really helped me along the way in a CPA with his own firm. He said, hey, Tom, you can buy a CPA firm. I'm going, wow, of course you can. How stupid of me, right? You can buy a CPA firm. So he actually knew of one that I'd actually met the owner previously, and we did a deal, and I bought my first CPA firm. The, my, my buddy actually uh, loaned me the money for it. So it was a no money down deal, my first no money down deal. But what I realized is if you can buy a CPA firm, you can sell a CPA firm. And a few years later, my partner and I, we had um, grown really quickly. Uh, after we met uh, Robert Kiyosaki, he started putting me on stage. We started to grow fairly rapidly. And we had a bunch of clients that were really nice people. They just weren't, they just took too much time for what they were comfortable paying us. And so we sold them. We sold a large book of business. And so we didn't sell the whole firm. We didn't sell the name. We didn't sell the systems, the IP, anything else. We just sold the clients. Because what we, what we realized was is that the clients that these were not the right clients for us, but they very well may have been the right clients for somebody else, and they might have been great clients for somebody else. And in fact, we, we actually sold them in two different batches, and, and one of them, um, the accountant we sold them to, is still servicing them, and she loves them. She, she, she told me the other day, they're her best clients still, and that was 
15 years ago. So look at those 20 clients. The, the concept is like this. Let's say you'd really like some new clothes, but your closet is full of old clothes. So you, you feel like, I can't, you know, I, I don't have room for new clothes. And, and, and even if you don't consciously think it, your subconscious is thinking that. And so what you have to do, if you'd really like some nice, some, some newer clothes, a little better fashion, okay, CPAs aren't exactly known for our fashion, but let's say you wanted something new and different, first thing you do, you have to clean out your closet. You can give away the old clothes, donate them to a charity, or you could do a garage sale and sell them, right? I mean, same idea. You have your choice. So the same is true for clients. If they're not the right clients for you, you're not the right CPA for them. Once again, if they're not the right clients for you, you are not the right CPA for them. So you owe it to them to help them find a CPA and maybe it's not even a CPA. Maybe it's an enrolled agent or another accounting firm that can take these clients and serve them at the price that they're comfortable with and serve them in the way they're comfortable, okay? So this is a way to actually serve your client. Even though they're bottom tier for you, they could easily be top tier for somebody else. So that's the first thing to do. So... Number one, we need to release the bottom 20%. And you're going, but what about all? I mean, and by the way, that bottom 20%, you've probably already done their tax returns, okay? Those are not the clients that you end up extending. Those are the clients that keep you out, keep you up until 11 o'clock at night on April 10th. You know they are. So you're releasing them to somebody else who can serve them differently than you. And for the client, it's better. Okay, for you it's better, for the client it's better, and for the, the accountant you're selling to, it's better as well. So whether you, you know, there are going to be a few you just release, but you go, okay, well, wait a minute. I've given up 20% of my clients, which, by the way, will not be 20% of your revenue. It may at most be 10% of your revenue because that bottom 20% is not bringing in, it, they're taking a lot more time and they're not bringing in their proportionate share of revenue, okay? So next thing we're going to do is you're going to raise your rates. And I know that's hard. But I want you to look yourself in the mirror and go, what value am I delivering? And if you're not sure of what value you're delivering, now we've got a whole other podcast for that. Okay? Talk about the value you deliver. We will do a podcast on that. In the meantime, if, you know, fake it until you make it. I'm worth it. I can do this. You raise your rates by 10%, your good clients will not blink an eye. Now, there are ways to raise your rates um, without telling them you're raising your rates, of course, with, without being that specific. I mean, for example, one of my favorites is the technology fee, okay? Now, that's not really, it's not really raising your rates. What you're doing is you're charging the client for an actual cost that you're incurring, but rather than you taking it on, you're passing on the clients. Just like you would, if you were, if you were a retailer, you would never absorb the sales tax unless this was some, you know, you're a furniture store and you're doing a sale, right? So you're going to pass that on. Why are, these are costs that have lowered the, the, the cost of doing the tax return, right? Without the technology, the, the, they'd be a lot higher. And so these are costs that we should 
frankly, be passing on to our, our customers. And they understand that. It's, it's not an issue. You will find out. It's not an issue. So whatever that technology fee is, but that might be one way to help with not making a major increase in your billing rates. But for most of you, I will tell you, you just need to increase your billing rates by 10%. Number three, now you're going, okay, but I still haven't made up the revenue. Here's where you're going to massively make up the revenue. It's really difficult. It's so complicated. I'm just kidding, of course. Call them. Call all your clients. This is the time. So one of the things we do, and when I say we, by the way, I do have a CPA firm. It's about a $2 million firm, Wheelwright Manahan, and we serve a, a very specific type of client, okay, clientele which is what you should do, by the way. Don't take everybody. Take the clients that fit you, right? So what, what we do is when we're doing a ta our tax returns, I may be a little late for you guys, but when we're doing our tax returns, we keep track. Uh, we have a checklist called an additional service checklist, and we keep track of items that we could talk to the clients about to help our clients. And then what we do is, is after April 15th, when we have a little breathing room, we call our clients. And a lot of you go over the tax returns with your clients, which is great. When you go over the tax returns with your clients, go through things that you could help them with. Or at, better yet, ask them questions. I believe that the number one job of an advisor is to ask good questions. So practice asking them questions. Now, th these phone calls, some of these phone calls are going to produce nothing but a good relationship. Oh, that's horrible. And they may be five minutes. And if you need to set up appointments with your clients and say, you know what, i just like to do a check-in call, set up the appointments. Okay? Have somebody in your office, not you, your assistant, your receptionist, or a staff accountant. Have them call the client. Set up an appointment. So you say, you know what? I'm not going to charge you for this. I just want to have, I, I just want to check in. Okay, could we just do a check-in call? And, and you don't have to take more than, you know, 15, 20 minutes at the most, right? But what's going to happen is you're going to find additional services that they need. And they're going to be services that provide so much value that they're going to be thrilled to pay you so long as you do one more thing. You tell them ahead of time how much it's going to cost. This is a major mistake that most accountants make. Most accountants do not tell their clients ahead of time what it's going to cost. So, for example, we get approval on every bill before we start the work. That includes tax returns. That includes consulting. That includes if it's bookkeeping or forensic accounting or any other type of service, always give a quote ahead of time. It's like you remember, some of you are old enough to remember this, where you'd go to a mechanic, right? Take your car into a mechanic, and they wouldn't tell you, before they did the work, they wouldn't tell you how much it was going to cost. Most mechanics have changed that practice, and they tell you ahead of time. Dentists, by the way, do the same thing. They do a very good job of telling you ahead of time what it's going to cost. Accountants, we're terrible at it. We send them a bill, and then they're, they're surprised and they're upset. 
where if we communicate with them ahead of time, now this is when I say call the client. Oh, we've got, you know, could, uh, would you like me to help you with that? Yes, I would. Okay, so it's, this is how long I think it's going to take. Is that okay? Just ask permission. Is that okay? So here's what's going to happen. You can do those three things. You're going to transfer, I think I'm going to use that word from now on. You're going to transfer the 20% of your clients, okay? You're going to transfer 20% of your clients to another CPA firm. Make the transition easy. If you can, let them buy them from you, okay? If you can't, just help them find another CPA, okay? Please help them do that because they're going to be frustrated otherwise. And you don't want, you want them to leave happy, right? Now, some of you listening <laughs> are clients of CPAs because you listen to the Wealth Ability Show. You go, oh, listen to the Wealth Ability for CPA Show. You may be transferred. Now, if, if you're being transferred and you go, I don't want to be transferred, have that discussion with your CPA. Why am I being transferred? What could I do better as a customer? It's not all one-sided. We all know that, right? It's not just the CPA. It's not just CPA's issue. It's just that the CPAs, we know we've got the issue. We all know it, right? Everybody knows it. We're scared to death of losing a client. Well, don't lose one. Help them. Help them find a better place. Okay, because if it's not working with you, help them find a better place so it'll work with somebody else. Please, you will serve your clients so much better and you will serve your staff so much better and you will serve yourself so much better and you will end up with better clients, a better practice and a better life. See you next time. You've been listening to the Wealth Ability for CPA show. Better clients, better practice, better life. To learn more, go to wealthability.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.